Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, a listener cannot find the cause of his bed shaking during the night until he manages to open his eyes while it's happening. Two boys accidentally send their cricket ball into the second floor of an abandoned farmhouse, but who is it that throws the ball back down to them? Could a pack of black cats be a bad omen for a mother who's about to deliver twins? And a little girl enjoys playing with her dolls in the dark passageways of her historic home, but what is illuminating the room that has no electricity or windows so that she can see? Those stories, your calls, and more tonight... On Real Ghost Stories Online, Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I feel like there's a demon inside of me. Really? I feel like a, a, a demon named Fruit and Vegetables has, has taken over my insides. See, you, you told me how bad it was going to be, and I haven't really had many side effects yet. I, I, don't, I don't feel sore or anything. We're, and by the way, we're, we're, we're not doing the true juicing thing where that's like all you do is drink juice. We're just having a couple extra juice drinks during the day with our fancy little dancy juicer that we have been sitting in a cupboard forever. Yeah, it's been there for two years. And um, uh, so yeah, just trying to you know be a little healthier and stuff and make some fresh juices. But uh, when you start doing that, if your body's not used to it, it takes a couple days to kind of get in sync. And I don't like feel like like squeezing sore like I did the first time I, I tried having juice like this a couple years ago yeah. where like my stomach felt like it was just going to turn over um, I just feel like kind of, I feel like I have a cold coming on almost or or it's kind of achy kind of and that's all part of it these are normal symptoms but it's just so bizarre to me that when you're putting good things like that into your body that your body almost tries to fight it initially <laughs> well that tells us something that means we eat far too much bad yeah, stuff yeah it really does I mean after a couple of days it kind of evens itself out but I just I feel like I was working I mean I was working this weekend outside like digging holes and stuff in the yard and working on all different projects and I felt, you know, a little bit sore, but okay. Uh, today, I, I didn't do any real physical labor, but I feel much more... It's the beet juice that kicked your butt. It's the beet juice. That damn beet juice. So, there you go. Thank you, Dwight Schrute. Uh, if you have a real ghost story, uh, you know, of real things haunting you, not, uh, you know, fruits and vegetables, you can call us at 855-853-4802. Of course, you can also write into us on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. 
We would uh, love to hear your real ghost story. Let's uh, kick off the show today. We will uh, go to a letter. This one is uh, coming into us here. Hang on one second. From Crystal uh, today. It says, I live in what used to be a small bungalow community in upstate New York. We live in a 1956 home that has only had three owners. We have no records of deaths in the house, but we all have seen figures of a man, woman, and children. We attribute it to friendly presences. I think it could be just energy imprints. Okay, so we have had a couple of instances. The first that I can remember is being in my room as a teenager and placing clothing away in a dresser when I felt a yank on the big pajama t-shirt I had on. I turned around and no one was there. The second instance, I was in my parents' bedroom and we were talking about people having spirit guides and seeing things in our home when I felt someone tap my back in the center twice as if to say, excuse me. I moved forward thinking my brother was trying to get past. My parents' room at the time was relatively small and I was blocking the path of the entrance. My mother asked me why did I move and I turned around and no one was there. Over the years, my parents have made renovations to our home and have grown to accept whatever presence in our home as we feel it is a positive one. However, the scariest experience I had was when I was coming home from college and opened the front door. I should probably start by saying that we have a side door and back door in our home. The back door has a sensor at the top of it for child safety, so when it's opened, it screeches horrifically loud. So as I opened my front door, I heard the back door loudly screeching, and in about seven seconds, it slammed shut. Then I heard footsteps upstairs running, which terrified me. I ran outside, grabbed a long garden hoe, and ran back inside. I checked the back door, and it was closed and locked. The side door was also locked. I crept up the stairs, and there wasn't a soul in sight. I was so terrified. I called my dad, and he had a neighbor come by and inspect the home for trespassers. He found nothing. To this day, I have no idea what happened that day, and occasionally we hear footsteps running upstairs. I have many more stories. I'll have to write in again. Thanks for reading my story. Love your show. It almost sounds like just playful kids running around and tugging on shirts and running in and out of the house. All fun and games until one's head spins around and it turns out to be a demon. I don't know. I think they probably would already know if it was something that bad. Yeah, it just sounds like it's... Uh, but do you go with that, they, like at the beginning where they said it could just be like, you know, kind of residual energy going around? It almost seems too interactive for that. That's what I was about to say. You know, opening and closing doors and footsteps, I would say, could be residual. But the tapping and tugging, that to me doesn't Where it's physically, residual. yeah, physically interacting. Yeah. Yeah. Because it wouldn't just randomly be tugging in a certain area, unless it's like it goes through you, and then that tugs because it's you're, you're in its path of energy. Would could that happen? I guess anything's possible, but sure, I wouldn't think that happened too frequently. Yeah. So maybe I think there's probably a couple things going on. Yeah. yeah. Interesting story. Thank you for um, for uh, sharing that with us, Jeremy. Writes in. Hi, <clears throat> I'm new to your show and I love it. My story starts in a small country town in Queensland, Australia, about seven years ago. I was working in a coal mine and was uh, staying in a small two-bedroom kit-style home. From the moment I moved into this house, I noticed strange things start to happen. 
Small things at first, like windows being thrown open and sounds of heavy footsteps through the house. I was the only person who lived there. Then, in the middle of the night, I started being woken up by my bed shaking. I remember thinking it was strange and just went back to sleep and forgot about it. This went on most nights for weeks. Then at work one day, it popped in my head and I thought, I need to find what is making my bed shake. That night, I went in my bedroom and began to investigate. Talking out loud to myself, I first jumped up and down on the floor. The bed never moved. Grabbed the bed frame and shook it, but the bed was solidly built. I knelt down beside the bed and shoved the mattress back and forth. And then I got up and said, that's it. My bloody mattress is being shoved side to side. Now being more aware, I thought that if it happened again that night, I'd take notice as to what it was doing. Well, sure as hell, in the dead of the night, I was again woken by the shaking. It shook for a short while and stopped. From the end of my single bed, I felt the pressure of a hand come down on my feet, and then a second hand on the back of my knees. I could feel the entity now getting up close to my face. It's safe to say I was frozen at this point. It then moved off me. I tried my best to sleep again. It was letting me know it was real. I don't want this to get too long, so I'll say there were many more days and nights like this. Things got bad and it eventually attacked me in my bed. I was to work night shifts and so I was sleeping in the day. My room had just enough light to see. I woke to see a small human-like figure all blue like electricity. It then jumped at me and tried to choke me. I threw it off my bed and it disappeared. I moved out the following weeks. I believe it wanted to kill me, but can't be sure. What I do know is it fed off acknowledgement and wanted to harm me in some way. Thanks for a great show. A few other experiences. I may write with another, or may write in another time. Jeremy in Australia. Okay, feeding off acknowledgement. That is terrifying. And so you almost feel like you can't ask it to leave because if it feeds off acknowledgement then that just makes it worse. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one because sometimes uh, having that uh, conversation or just saying, hey, please stop bothering me, will work. Mm-hmm. And in other cases, it will completely spin it the other way. It's like a child that misbehaves and you are trying to ignore the bad behavior to, so that they don't mm-hmm. keep it going. But then if you tell them to stop, you're like, ah, I got attention. I'm going to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. It's very much the same thing. It is. It's like like how our two-year-old will scream louder and louder and louder and louder if you ignore her. Mm -hmm. But then the second you uh, recognize and tell her to stop, she stops for a second. And then she goes back to doing it. And it resets the whole process. Yeah. So you have to kind of decide, well... I mean, if, if you're able to distract her into something else, that's good. But if you're kind of stuck in a car... And there's not much to distract with, um, like I was the other day. It was, well, what do we do? Do I keep resetting this every two seconds, you know, to the beginning, or just ignore it, and eventually it does stop? I went, I went with the ignore method that time. Yeah. I think eventually ignore is the, probably the best route for, for that sort of behavior, if you can get it to stop. I mean, distraction is my favorite when it can be done. Yeah, but you can't really distract a ghost. No. No, you can't really go down that route. Mm-mm. 
Hey, ghost, look. Birds. <laughs> look, is that a horsey I see out there? Yee! Yeah, horses, they don't really, uh, you know, ghosts don't have the same. Although I wonder if it was, uh, we were talking about this the other night, of uh, children ghosts still kind of having the mentality of, you know, living children. Yeah. Could you distract one of them with, you know, things like you distract another a, a living child with? For example, a horse out the window. I, I wonder. I don't know. They're they're dead. They've kind of seen it all. So <laughs> there's nothing that's going to surprise them no. at this point. <laughs> Let's go over to uh, Richard. Richard writes in. This story took place when I was 14 in 1996. I live in Yorkshire, England, south of the city of Leeds. My friend's family owns a farm and has done so for at least a couple hundred years. The main farmhouse was rebuilt in the 1630s, but. Uh, Oh, this is a fun one. Hi. Do you know this word? It takes up almost the entire line of my computer. <laughs> Dendrochronology? Dendrochronology? Yeah. Okay, there we go. What does it, that mean? That is where they count how many... How old a tree is based on... Oh! The rings, or what have you. I would just say, but counting the rings on the tree... Oh, <laughs> instead of that whole word. But but he's, he's smarter, smarter than me, using big words. <laughs> it's good. You learned something. Dendrochronology. Uh-huh. I'm going to start using that quite often now. Do that. Just for the heck of it. Uh, counting those rings uh, on the uh, the tree ring dating. Dating them back to the 14th century. Wow, that'd be a big-ass tree, would it not? What a shame to have to cut it to find out how old it is. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. At some point it has to die, doesn't it? Well, that or, you know, something diseased it and you have to cut it down, but you would be curious, so you'd want to count. I mean, there's like some good hundred-year-old trees in my parents' yard, but uh, I can't imagine one that's like a 300-year. That's a big tree. Yeah. Uh, Opposite the farmhouse was a two-story building, structurally sound, but uh, derelict. I'd... A hazard a guess this one was built in the early 1700s i and my friend used to hang about the farm on evenings and weekends generally having adventures and sometimes getting into mischief smoking shooting at rabbits and rats with air rifles and daring each other to go into some of the creepy looking buildings this particular saturday we decided to venture into the derelict building to see if there was any treasure or such we could claim or play around with It was a bright, sunny summer's day. Yes, we do have them in England on occasion. But uh, as we stopped inside, there was a noticeable drop in temperature. Well, we were coming in from the sun. Downstairs, there wasn't much of interest. The fireplace was bricked up, and there was just a few piles of wood. Upstairs, we had more luck. The fireplace wasn't bricked up, and there were some old pieces of furniture, a dresser, and some drawers. We poked around the fireplace, just some old ashes and an odd lump of coal. Next onto a set of drawers, we opened them up, nothing but a few bits of old newspaper used to line them. Now for the dresser. We opened the doors and again found old newspaper, all scrunched up. We rifled through this, hoping to find something of interest, which we did. Not exactly the crown jewels, but an old cricket ball. Now we could have some fun. Though likely bruises as well. They're made of cork covered in leather. You certainly know it when one strikes you while on the crease. We headed back outside to go play catch and pretend the ball was a live grenade. A few minutes later, we ended up throwing it through the second story window of the building. The very room we found it in. 
We were about to head back inside to retrieve it when it came hurling out the window directly back at us. My friend had to dodge it, or he would have ended up with a painful leg. Bemused by this, we finally headed back inside, leaving the ball on the ground where it landed to see who was messing around with us. Upstairs, there was no one there. That is, when we detected a whiff of burning. Instinctively, we looked at the fireplace. The same ashes there, but as we headed over, it was clear that they were now slightly warm. At this moment, the door to the dresser opened, and a cricket ball rolled out. We looked at each other and ran downstairs and outside as fast as possible. The ball we left on the ground was no longer there, and we turned to look at the window where it had been launched from before. We just stared for a minute before a shiver went down our spines, and we ran away back to his mother's house at the other side of the farm. To this day, we have no clue what happened and dare not to venture in the building ever again. As a few years ago, the building was demolished and a new bungalow was built for my friend's grandparents. I regularly drive on the road past the farm and always look over at the spot where the bungalow is now and wonder, what did it all mean? I think something was playing with them and it's hard to know with that much history on a property, it could be anything. Or multiple things. Yeah. I don't know that there was really much of a meaning, and I don't think there really is always meaning to hauntings. Yeah. You know, I think you run into the case sometimes where somebody's trying to give you a message uh, or warn you or whatever, something. But I think in some cases like this, you just stumbled upon the property, probably wasn't expecting you that day either, and hey, here's something going on. I'm going to interact. And maybe it was just, you know, friendly, too. You know, just kind of like thinking, oh, the kids, they found the ball to play with. I'll help them and show them where it is so they don't have to, you know, rummage around anymore. Yeah. like a friendly presence, you know? I don't know why the fireplace would still be warm and smoldering. Yeah. That's strange. Yeah, I mean, that that is interesting that it almost like went in reverse. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not how that works, obviously. (laughs) So I don't know. That is strange. Uh, Gabriella writes in, Well, growing up and uh, even when I was in my mom's stomach, strange and odd things have been happening. I'll try my best to keep it short. When my mother was pregnant with me, my uh, sister and me, she said there was a group of black cats meowing outside at her house in Mexico. She said that they started getting more aggressive, scratching at the door and windows. She was scared out of her mind, and the cats didn't leave till morning. She didn't sleep the entire night. Once the cats left, my mom went to my grandmother's house, and my grandma, being the typical superstitious superstitious Mexican grandmother, told my mom that either it was the work of a witch or the devil. (laughs) That's comforting. When, when? Oh, you're pregnant? Oh, it's just a witch or a devil outside your window. No big deal. Not a big deal. Now, witchcraft and black magic are a big deal in uh, community practice down there. She told my mom to take care of us and to never leave us alone. These types of cases are not unheard of in Mexico. And usually the people who these odd things happen to must never be left alone. So since then, my mom was always taking care of us and always on her guard. When she told me that, that explained her unnatural dislike of cats, especially black ones. I know this sounds crazy. Trust me, things that happen to me are pretty crazy. Like something off a TV show. Now it gets crazier. When my mom was giving birth to us, all three of us 
where we're at death's door. The doctors brought my godmother in because the doctors needed her to choose between our lives or my mother's. Panicked, she ran out of the delivery room with tears in her eyes. Now, the reason they asked my godmother was because they didn't want my mom to know that she was probably going to die, or us. Then, having no choice, the doctors had to ask my mother. She chose us, and while they were operating on her, she was going in and out of consciousness. Luckily, we were born fine. Even though we were born at seven months, the nurse brought us over to my mom, So she could hold us, but she couldn't. She was too weak and very pale. The nurse was crying, telling her not to die, that we were fine and telling how beautiful we were. They took my mom away into intensive care. My dad was not there when we were born, nor did he ever show his face at the hospital. Yet mom found it odd that random men would come to her room and pick us up and hold us and do things dads typically do when their babies are born. No one sent them in, and she asked the doctors as well as nurses, and they would tell her that they didn't put these men up to it. She asked the random men why they would just come in and hold us, talk, and even play with us. They would tell her that they didn't know why, but they would get this sudden warmth and love towards us that just made them want to hold us. This kept happening until we were released a few days later. Now, on bringing us home, things were normal for a week or two, then things started happening. Right after she put us to bed, all the lights went out and only the TV was working. Yet all that was on was a TV on the TV was static. My mom ran to our crib and scooped us up and took us to bed. She woke up the next morning with bruises on her. I'll be sending some more stories later. What an ending. Yeah, I want to know why the mom had bruises on her. If she ever figured that out. (laughs) I could go anyway. Yeah, it sounds like that a very active family, that they're a very active family. There's a lot going on around them. Yeah. That's, (laughs) it's like just the climax. It's like after these messages, we'll be right back. (laughs) Now we have to rely on them sending another story in. Well, to, to find out what uh, what the rest of the story is. I so. want to know. All right. Please, please do share more. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can also uh, write into us on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And uh, if you haven't done so already, please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you listen to us on. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, there's many more. That uh, ensures that you get the latest episodes of our show sent right to you as they come out. And uh, also helps us grow in the rankings. So please consider doing that. Let's go to a caller. Let's go to uh, Justin in uh, California. Justin, hi. Hey, what's going on, Tony and Jenny? Uh, this is Justin from California. I uh, haven't uh, called you guys in a while. I think the last time I spoke with you guys was about my uh, Irish uh, hotel ghost story, seeing the uh, ghost in the window of the bed and breakfast as I was driving by. Anyhow, uh, I was just catching up on some of your older uh, podcasts, and I was listening to the Voodoo episode, and was listening to that really awesome story about uh, the woman who called, uh, who had a dog um, named Brita and was like her best friend and grew up with the dog and everything and the dog had a best friend named Jack which was another type of breed or something anyway something about when the dog had passed they'd come back as hummingbirds and they don't normally see hummingbirds uh, in where they live in that part of the uh, country and uh, just a really really heartwarming story and uh, 
and I was listening to it and the whole time thinking about uh, my chocolate Labrador, Mac, who uh, I lost about three years ago. Um, and uh, it was my sister's dog, but, you know, that was pretty much my dog, too. And, you know, we'd had him for about 15 years and just an amazing dog. I was going through my head the whole time I was listening to, you know, the story. And uh, it was really uh, interesting because then I decided, you know what, I'm going to go check the mailbox. You know, and just, just, you know, the story was over and I wanted to go see what was in the mail. And as I'm coming back from the mailbox, I see, uh, I look up in the tree and I see a hummingbird. And I'm like, oh, that's quite cool. What a coincidence. You know, I just got done listening to the story about a hummingbird and, you know, uh, a pasta pet. And here I am seeing another hummingbird in a tree above, you know, above me. And one thing I noticed is the hummingbird <clears throat> eventually kind of came around in a circle and then he perched on a branch and he stopped. And I don't know about you, but I rarely do I see hummingbirds that are like stop. They're not moving, you know, a million miles a second. So, and he, I'm not kidding, literally was looking straight at me and I was making eye contact and, you know, it was a few seconds and I was like, you know, hey buddy, and he just was looking at me and he wasn't moving and I was like, this is really rare. I don't see this very often, um, uh, a non-moving hummingbird. And uh, then it occurred to me, I was standing kind of in the middle of the, uh, you know, comfort, and I was like, I must look kind of crazy standing here. So I was like, all right, I better, you know, take my own, go on my day. And just as soon as I made that decision to move, he got up and sped off and flew away and disappeared. So anyway, the story uh, it just happened right now, and uh, I literally just got to the video episode uh, where the lady, you know, called in a story about the, you know, uh, dogs. So I wanted to share that with you. Thought that was very ironic, and uh, I guess to me that means that you know my dog is, in fact, looking over me as well. So keep up the great work. You guys are amazing, and uh, thank you so much. Take care. Bye. I've never seen a hummingbird. Still, have you? That's how they are. I mean, they, I mean, like just fluttering. I mean, no. Or, or I mean, mean, he saw he saw one that wasn't moving. Oh, like it, perched. Like perched. No, I don't think I've ever seen that. I've unless I've seen dead ones. Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> I've only seen live hummingbirds maybe twice. Okay. So obviously they were flying around. You know how they they hover. You yeah. know, but I've never saw one that wasn't moving. That's interesting. Now, I I have never seen one either. It, it's interesting because when they do and get go and get food, they are they hover and uh-huh. they, they eat. Um, they don't sit on a perch like other birds normally do. So that is very bizarre. I mean, for the most, I mean, I'm not a hummingbird expert by any means, but um, from what I would gather, I would think that the place that they would be sitting normally would pretty much only be like in their nest. Yeah. Just. Probably safe, secluded away from danger because mm-hmm. they're such a, a delicate little bird that, you know, it could be, if it sat there, it could be prey for almost anything, but they're crazy fast. Too. Isn't there a bug that looks like hummingbirds? Didn't we see one? There is a moth yeah. that is kind of similar. It's uh-huh. it's smaller. It kind of does the same sort of things, but it's not a dragonfly because somebody's going to say it's a dragonfly. No, there's a, there's an actually a thicker, bigger moth. Yeah, I thought we saw one like up in Door County one yeah. time. Yeah, they, and sometimes you, you can, it's confusing if you're just kind of catching them out of the corner of your eye because that's how you catch hummingbirds half the time. Yeah. It's like, I think I saw a hummingbird, but uh, sometimes it's this moth and if you catch, it's like, oh, it's just that moth. Huh. But still elusive as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm just amazed how fast those little things can fly. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's interesting. 
So thank you, uh, thank you for that story, that uh, that call. It, it's an uh, interesting correlation there. This is a, not not this call, but the last time we had that call with the correlation uh, between the uh, the deaths of the pets and the hummingbirds. It was the first time I never heard that. Yeah. It's very interesting. Uh, let's go to another letter here. Let's go to uh, Ava. Uh, so Ava says, There's so many things happened in this house. I don't even know where to begin. I guess I will just start here. When I was about seven years old, I and my mother moved into this gorgeous house in Salmon Arm, British Columbia. It wasn't gorgeous in the fact that it was modern and everything was new and freshly painted, but beautiful in a way and old painting would be or an antique. You could tell it was a very old house and uh, old-fashioned, but it had a charm to it. My mother always found beauty in strange things that wouldn't normally appeal to people. There were so many interesting things about this house. Like, for one, there was once a graveyard behind it that had been moved, but we later found out that they only took the tombstones and not the bodies. Jeez. <clears throat> it's not really technically moving a graveyard then, now, is it? No, but they didn't find this out right away. <laughs> okay. Inside, there were secret passageways on the second story that would lead to different rooms. Upstairs wasn't a huge area. It only had my room and my mom's room, which was the master bedroom. In my room, there was one passageway that would lead to the master bedroom. And then another right by the stairs that would lead to the master bedroom as well. So my mom's bedroom had two little passageways on opposite sides of her wall that led to my room and the stairs. Also in the middle of this room was a circle with a star in it. Literally, the tile in the room had made a circle with a star in it. We both thought that was strange. My mom hated this room, but I'll get more into that later. Some history on the house that, again, we found out later. When we researched it after all the weird stuff started happening, right across the street from us was a bed and breakfast. And back in the day was the master's house, and the house we lived in was the slave's house. I can't remember what it dated back to, but that was some interesting information we learned about the house, and it explained the sacred passageways through the walls. Okay, now for the weird occurrences, and this won't be in order of events, just stuff I remember happening or things that my mother had later told me. So, as a strange seven-year-old, I would play in the passageway that was in my mom's room, or in my room. There were no lights or even electricity in these parts of the house, but I remember having balls of light all around me that would light up everything. And I could see perfectly. At the time, I didn't realize this wasn't normal. I didn't even know what a ghost was. I now know that these were orbs I was seeing. My mom had built me a huge dollhouse that she put in my passageway, and I'd play in there for hours with the passage door shut. She'd come to check on me and would ask me, how on earth do you see what you're doing in there? And I'd say, the lights in the walls. Or I'd tell her, I'm playing with the lights in the walls. She'd always be so confused because she knew there was no electricity in there. She never saw what I saw. I was never afraid of the lights either. It was more comforting to me. I feel that there were multiple spirits in that house that all had different things, or that all did different things. We had one that was a trickster in the house that would move objects around all the time, but one item in particular. In the bathroom, my mom had this little figurine of a praying girl that she would put in the windowsill right by the toilet. Whenever she'd go to the bathroom, she'd always turn the figurine around so it was not facing her anymore. She had issues with things looking at her while she peed. 
Every time she went back into the bathroom, it would be turned back around, or it would be on top of our kitchen fridge. It was right outside of the bathroom. She'd always blame me for moving it, but I always told her it wasn't me. She didn't realize this until one day I was at school and it moved on its own again. We also had one dog and two cats, and there'd be times when we'd come home and the cats would be locked in the passageways upstairs. There was no other way to get in there except the little door, which we never left open unless we were using them. Our dog, Lady, would bark at things that weren't there on a regular basis. We just kind of got used to it. My mom had a boyfriend that I absolutely hated, and he never wanted to come into the house. He always felt so uncomfortable, thank God. One day, my mom convinced him to come in, and they were standing in the kitchen, which was close to the entrance, talking. Above them was our chandelier, and it was a beautiful old-fashioned chandelier. As soon as he asked, has anything weird happened lately? It sounded as if someone had taken their fists and banged it on the wall behind his head as hard as they could. It made the whole house shake, and the sound was so loud. As soon as the bang happened, the whole chandelier fell from the ceiling and stopped right above his head, just dangling by a couple of wires. Needless to say, he never came back after that. I was happy. On occasion, I and my mom would always see this gray, fluffy cat in the corner of our eye. This wasn't one of our cats. Ours were tabbies and short-haired. We'd only see it inside our house. For a while, we thought uh, we had some random cat living in our house that we could never find after we briefly saw it. We ended up giving our cats away and all their stuff, too. Even when our cats were gone, we were still seeing this other gray cat. We thought it was very strange because we never found any cat pee or droppings anywhere, or any signs that it could have been uh, could have left behind. One day, when I and my mom were just sitting on the couch watching TV, our dog started going crazy and barking at nothing. Again, nothing unusual. Then all of a sudden, we see the gray cat dart from around the entrance corner through the kitchen, past Lady, and then past us right up the stairs beside the couch. It all happened so fast, it was as if you blinked, you would have missed it. But when I did see it, I remember that the cat was almost transparent. I could see right through it, yet I could still make out all the features of it. I could see the texture of its fur and how big its paws were. It was so strange. As soon as I ran upstairs, I and my mom just looked at each other and said, Did you see that? We both saw it and immediately went looking for it. We never did find it, but still continued to see it in the corner of our eye. We'd always joke about how we have a pet ghost cat. Now for the master bedroom. It was the only place in the house where we felt a negative presence. My mom had only slept in there for about a month when we moved in, and then she moved a lot of her stuff downstairs and slept in the office. She always said she felt like someone was watching her in that room, especially when she was getting dressed or undressed. She also said when she was sleeping, she would hear a creaking in the room, almost as if there was a rocking chair rocking, but we didn't own one. When she was sleeping, she said it was almost as if someone was standing right next to the bed staring at her, but she was too afraid to open her eyes to look. Other than that, the house was very good to us. There were lots of little things that would happen, like we would walk past a picture hung up on our wall and see a reflection of someone, then we'd go back and look and be gone. We had a connection with that house. Even our landlord was surprised at how long we'd stayed there for. Apparently, no one was there for over six months. We ended up living there for two years. We've had to move for family reasons, but we loved that house. Unfortunately, it no longer stands. The owner sold it 
and it got torn down for other new houses to be built. We heard that they could not actually build right where the home stood. The building equipment kept breaking down or something would go wrong. They did find the bodies in the graveyard that used to be there when they were digging up the ground. That's when we found out they only took the tombstones. I'm 20 years old now, and I live in Alberta, but when I go to British Columbia to visit my grandparents, who live in a town not too far from Salmon Arm, I sometimes drive by the lot where the house used to stand. It makes me sad that it's no longer there anymore, and I wonder if any of the people living in the newer homes have had any experiences. I know this was very a very long story, but I love talking about it with people. I do not have a lot of people in my life who believe in this kind of stuff, so I'm glad to have found a community where we can share stories and experiences. Thank you so much for taking the time to read. I wonder how often that spirits decide, oh, I don't mind these two. I kind of like this mother and daughter. I'm not going to bother them too much and let them stay here. They, it's kind of like adopting you like a pet. Yeah. And didn't like anybody else. That's why they didn't stay for more than six months. Sure. It's interesting when you hear ghost stories like that, where even when you do have something kind of dark and there's still like this, the the living still being drawn to the home Mm -hmm. in a positive way. I know the conjuring was like that. Right. Which just sounds completely bizarre, you know, hearing what that story was and what they went through. But there was still that like strong and they stayed in that house for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's very, very interesting. The ghost cat thing is, <laughs> I mean, you, especially when at the towards the end of the cat part of the story, she was very descriptive of to where the cat went in the room, but they flat out saw the cat. Right. It went here, went there, then jumped up the stairs. It wasn't just corner of the eye. They both saw it, this cat. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you could kind of argue if you, you feel that you have a ghost in your home that maybe, you know, you're just kind of seeing things out of the corner of your eye and you never really are seeing the cat. But when you have it that descriptive and it's there, you got a ghost cat. You do. You do. I mean, because that would be enough. Just a regular person ghost would mm-hmm. be enough to make you question your sanity when you just see it out of the corner of your eye, let alone a furry blob on the floor. I'm really completely cool with ghost pets. Really? I really would have no reservation about... I mean, unless they were, like, malicious attacking attacking ghost pets. But if they're just, you know, cats that kind of wander around... They'd be the perfect cat for me. No dander. That's true. I wish... I I would love to have a ghost cat. Yeah. I wonder if I can get Kitty back, because I think she was a ghost cat for a little while at my parents' house. think so. (laughs) I don't think you can, like, transport them. I'll just bring an empty cat carrier with us next time up there and say, Kitty, jump in. And uh, then she can come back with us. <laughs> right. That would be good. Hey, take that one through airport security. There's no pet in here, sir. There's no cat. Yes, there is. <laughs> See what the TSA says about that. Wow. This is my ghost cat. You're what? Yeah, I, I'm bringing her back. I, I had her when I was about eight and she died. And um, I want to bring her back with me because I'm allergic to, to pet dander or cat dander. So I want to. This is completely hypoallergenic. There's nothing in the cat. The crates are, no, it's a ghost cat. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that. It's poor TSA. Can people. we try it? No, <laughs> can't try that. No. Uh, what if they like swab the crate? 
it's going to be enough with a two-year-old and an eight-year-old going through an airport without yeah. you hauling around an empty pet carrier trying to convince people there's ghost cat in it. <laughs> just one more headache I don't need. That's a sentence you probably thought you'd never have to say out loud. <laughs> no. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Peter, hi. Hey, uh, good afternoon. Uh, my name's uh, Peter Malady. I've actually called you guys, I think, uh, once or twice before with uh, a few stories of uh, things that happened to my family and stuff uh, years ago. And uh, finally, it seems like something happened to me uh, Sorry, I'm still kind of freaked out about this. And um, it actually happened last night and over the last couple of days. But um, and I've really got no explanation for it. So uh, hopefully, uh, if I tell you this, maybe you guys might have some ideas. But uh, here I go. Um, you know, um, sorry if I'm kind of, well, I'm still kind of freaked out. Anyway, here I go. Um, my name is Peter Malady. Um, I stay in uh, Colorado. Uh, every evening, nighttime, well, even, I uh, take my dog for a walk. And we usually go to the same place. There's uh, like a canal behind the houses where we stay. And uh, we usually walk along there. And uh, usually by the time we walk along there, it's getting dark. So, but uh, about four nights ago, we were walking along there. And uh, I have a black lab, and he's still pretty young, so he's still bouncing around and everything else. And usually when he sees something, he likes to see what it is and everything else. But uh, we're walking along there, and all of a sudden his ears perk up, and he looks off into the, like further down the uh, path. And uh, I kind of look down there, and I don't see anything. And, uh, He's still looking down there. We're walking. As he's looking down. He's also like he's uh, he's tracking something, and his head's moving around. And it's like it's something that's coming towards us. And he's looking around, and he kind of stops and moves over towards me. Now he's not scared. He's like he's just watching something. And uh, his head comes around. Now I'm looking. I don't see anything. And it's like whatever he's looking at goes by us, and you know was down the path and I like I said I don't see anything I don't feel anything so first I thought oh it might be a bird or something on the other side of the canal or a rabbit or something I didn't see I didn't think much of it keep going so the next night we're walking along there same path different area of the path and it didn't always happen in the same area um basically the same thing happens again and I'm like that's kind of weird but again I'm thinking well it could be an animal or, you know, a bird or you know, the wind rustling the trees because, you know, what black clouds are like. And so I kind of blow it off, but I take notice of it. The next night, and again, this has never happened before, and we've, I've been walking down there for three years of the matter. And um, it, it happens again. And now, now I'm kind of like, uh, this is kind of weird, and it's not in the same area. That's the thing. It's it's in the same on the same path and on the same area of the path, and the path is pretty long, you know. And so I don't feel anything. I don't see anything. 
Well, the dog does, and he's not acting scared. It's just like somebody's or something's going by it. But I don't see it or feel it. So last night, we're walking down there, and now I'm looking for it. You know, I we're walking down this path, and the dog's eyes perk up, and he starts seeing something. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna. I, this time I'm I'm gonna look. Hopefully, maybe I'll see something. You know, maybe if I know something's there for sure, I'll see it. If I know it, so I kind of I'm looking. I'm and I'm not seeing anything, and I'm looking, and the dog's eyes are, his head's, you know, tracking on, and I, I'm I'm not seeing anything. I'm not. I'm I'm really not. And you know, I I turn, I look down the other side of the path, thinking maybe I'll see something there. Something's going towards or something, and I look back where the dog's looking, and right there, not ten feet from me, is a guy jogging down the path. You know, like he he's just there, and he's jogging, and in this, it, it's he's solid. He's not like he's misty or you know, I can see through him. He's transparent or anything else. Run down the path, just jogging away. My dog's looking at him, and he's going by me, and I, I first I was kind of shocked, like, where did he come from? And he's running towards me, and he, he looks, and he nods his head, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? You know, good evening, kind of thing, like somebody walks by you, and he goes by me. And I didn't think that was what my dog was looking at. I thought that was somebody who may have just, I hadn't seen you know, because um, it was getting dark and he was wearing darker clothes, but it was a solid figure. But I'm still looking down the path to where it came from, thinking I was looking for something else. And I looked behind me, and this was in a couple of seconds, you know, maybe five, ten seconds. There's no way where or anywhere this guy could go. And I looked behind me, and he's gone, completely disappeared. And there was no way or any place he could have went whatsoever. He just disappeared in the thin air, you know? And like I said, the, I, he, he ran right by me. I, if I put my, just my forearm, I, I would have touched him, you know? And it really freaked me out when I saw that he wasn't there. I, it really freaked me out when I saw, I just nodded a ghost or a ghost just nodded a deer or whatever it was. And I acknowledged it, and they saw me, and it didn't. It it didn't feel bad or anything else, or evil, or like anything was different. It just like somebody walked by me, and but I didn't feel like, you know, it was anything different. And my dog didn't act weird, or any more than somebody had walked by, and like he was just looking at somebody walking by, nothing special. And I have no idea what it was. So anyway, um, that's uh, my story. Today I've been kind of looking online to see if something may have happened to somebody down there, but um, nothing. Um, um, oh, the, the other thing was is he wasn't wearing like old clothes jogging. It was just regular jogging clothes. I mean, I couldn't say they were old or, or old-fashioned or new fact. They were just regular like sweats you would wear when you were jogging, you know? So um, 
it wasn't um, anything different than what you and I would wear probably when we were jogging. Uh, if it was, you know, chilly enough to wear that stuff. Um, so there was nothing out of the ordinary of it, apart from the fact that he appeared and disappeared. Um, it, it, it just, it, it's crazy. Um, I'm going back tonight, um, uh, hopefully to see if uh, he shows up again. Um, I am, I'm going to take uh, my camera phone um, and see, you know, um, what it is. But, I mean, the amount of time that I saw him, and he just went there. But I'll try and take some pictures when the dog just starts seeing something, if he sees something. But if any of you guys might know what this could be, um, if anything, or had anything like it, it's the jogger from Ghostbusters. The jogger from Ghostbusters? Remember that scene where Bill Murray's sitting on the bench and then there's the ghost jogger that's running through Central Park and he opens up the trap and it gets sucked right in? Oh, yeah. That's what it is. I remember that. It's in real life. It's now in his area. Well, didn't... It, I'm sorry. Didn't Grim Jim or Jim from Walnut Grove, didn't mm-hmm. he have a ghost cyclist that he would encounter? Yeah, yeah. So I have to give it to these ghosts that are still keeping up with their physical fitness and death because I'm not even doing that and I'm alive. <laughs> I suppose, you know, with, with some folks, it really is, you know, it, it's very, it's like a religious thing. You know, I know people who are like, they will drop everything and it's like all they do. You know, it's like the most important thing. And that's fine. That's their that's their thing. Well, it should be the most important well, thing. Well, it, it's, it's, it's. The most important thing, I think, to to us, you know, is we have children and being with them and things like that. Obviously, health, yes, should be right up there. You know what I mean, though? Like, really, gym rats, if you will. I know. Um, You know, it gets more difficult as you have kids and and all of that. But um, there's folks who are just so very hardcore into exercise. Nothing wrong with that. I would suppose if you get that much and they get a lot of pleasure out of it. Mm -hmm. Me, I don't get a whole lot of pleasure out of exercise. The after effects are good. I hate doing it. I hate the act of it. But there's some folks who love the act of exercising. I would suppose if you're a ghost and you can choose what to do, if exercise is your thing, why would that not be what you're going to do when you're a ghost? Well, and if you've made it a pattern every day, it could obviously be just a residual energy. Could be. Could be. But I would think you'd also, you're not even necessarily doing it for, you know, the the health effects obviously when you're dead but just the enjoyment maybe you can still get the pleasure of it yeah i don't know i, I could i could legitimately see that <laughs> ghost exercising what would it be like if you were in a really uh thing is gyms open and close i was gonna say like go to a very 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 old gym i don't know if that even exists i don't know i just think an exercising ghost is just very ironic if these if today's gym still exists like a hundred years from now they're going to be very haunted places could be <laughs> with, with the regulars that never really leave I wonder if they still get if like uh, you're stuck with like membership fees there when you're uh, <laughs> how they get out of their contracts as a ghost 
No. I you, think they can come and go as they please. That can, I could see that being one of the uh, the BS like a- added value things that some gyms try to throw in there. Yeah, and you also get uh, a free, you know, or you get like half price smoothies at the smoothie bar. And when you're dead, you can visit anytime you want. Right. <laughs> come on in. It'll be a great deal. Uh, one more call for tonight. Hi. Hey, kids. My name's Laura. I'm from Los Angeles. This is a story that was told to me as I was growing up. Um, by my mom, and it was verified by my grandma and my uncle and my uh, grandpa, who all experienced it. They were living in a house in the Boyle Heights area of Los Angeles, and my mom and my my entire their entire family were woken up one night by a huge crash that they all heard, and it sounded like it was coming from the downstairs kitchen. It woke them all up. They all ran downstairs, and there was nothing, nothing amiss. Um, Also at that house, they would hear footsteps going up and down the stairway. My mom said she would hear footsteps walking into her room by her bed, and the bed would depress like someone was sitting in it. And my grandma said that when she was doing laundry in the basement, she heard footsteps coming down into the basement where she was, and she ran up um, the stairs, I guess, through the thing. Um, And they lived there for a while. Um, Oh, they also would hear um, something what sounded like something being thrown down the stairs, like a big boom, 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 boom. And they found out from the neighbor that there had been a man who had lived in that house. He had died in that house, and he had had a dog, and he had thrown the dog down the stairs, which is particularly upsetting to me to hear, um, being that I'm such an animal lover. Um, And my grandma also saw, like, some sort of apparition in the garden, um, and I don't know how long they lived there, but they didn't stay there for a terribly long time. Um, that is just a quick story. I have one more. Perhaps I'll call in. Love you guys. Enjoy the show and keep it up. Bye. Thank you for calling in and uh, sharing that story with us. Very interesting. I wonder if the man fell down the stairs and died because he threw his dog down the stairs. What if the dog ghost came back and just knocked him down the stairs? I would do that if I was the ghost dog. Yeah. I would totally take vengeance. Yep. I'd be a very, very... You'd be Cujo. Vengeful ghost dog. I really would be. I would. I, no uh, no doubts about that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the things we talk about. Uh, if you like the show, please support it. Become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Get bonus episodes of the show every single week. And you get access to our past archive. 29 bonus episodes just waiting for you when you sign up right now. And, of course, a new one every single week. It's only 5 bucks a month. That 5 bucks goes to funding our show and keeping it on the air. All the hard costs that go along to, uh, to do the show for you. Uh, every single day so please consider doing that if you enjoy the show and keep uh, getting the free episodes and uh, you get a little bonus something something as well check it out realghoststoriesonline.com until next time for Jenny Bruski I'm Tony Bruski thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online